What does an Episcopal priest, an elf on the shelf, and a sawshaying reindeer have in common? The special Christmas episode of the Booterverse. Hey, here he is, new in the biz, a podcast he sends, laugh till it ends weekly. He's here bringing good cheer far and away. No, he's not gay. Booter, that is his name, said without shame. He's podcasting, bow tie in hand, taking a stand. News does he read, fake, yes indeed. Oh, here's guests, they are the best. His docking you'll find not far behind. Don't be averse, try Booterverse. When people hear, they will all cheer. Booter, that is his name, said without shame. He's podcasting, on on his conks, Welcome to the Booterverse, everybody. This is a special Christmas episode, and we have a very special guest with us today. We have the Reverend Father Brian Cole here to talk about the meaning of Christmas and perhaps what exactly is going on with the angel Gabriel. We've got some great news stories, and of course, Judy Scheinbaum answers all of your Christmas questions right here on the Booterverse. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by Gingerbread Houses. Gingerbread Houses. It's sure sweeter than your house during the holiday season. And now for holiday news in my orbit. After decades of ugly rumor-mongering and antler-shaming, the truth is finally out. And so is Prancer. So what, the reindeer commented, as the news swept across the North Pole like an elfin flew through a toy workshop. I'm certainly not the first gay reindeer, but I'm proud to be the face of alternative lifestyles for Arctic ungulates. Many, of course, feel vindicated by the news, having had their suspicions confirmed after watching Prancer sashay his way around the sleigh year after year. And there was, of course, that highly suppressed incident in the 90s where he was found in a compromising position with a young buck, some tinsel, and a hot tub. But the shocks didn't stop with Prancer's outing. He says it was Rudolph who pushed him to the breaking point. I get so sick of all the pity that jerkwad gets. Oh, he's so misunderstood. He's had such a hard life. Try being closeted in the most G-rated place in the universe. I'm willing to own up to my sexuality just to have the opportunity to say that nose is only red because Rudolph is a raging alcoholic. He gets credit for guiding the sleigh, but the truth is he couldn't find his way back to his stall every night without Mrs. Claw's help. She's such an enabler. Prancer said he was most anxiously awaiting a response from Rudolph, but in the meantime could happily announce that he is now in a committed relationship with Dancer. We've been thrown together for so long, we work so closely with one another, we just realized one day that it made sense. We're very happy, and I mean, will you look at that rack? There has been, as of yet, no comment from the big man in the red suit. In infant Jesus news, you might want to think twice before disturbing the infant savior in that nativity scene. Baby Jesus has GPS. After watching helplessly year after year and watching the emotional trauma and financial catastrophe inflicted on countless churches, retirement homes, and bingo halls across the country, a New York-based security company has found its purpose. Calling the program G's PS, the company has made it its mission to outfit every baby Jesus in the nation, and eventually the world, with a GPS transmitter that would allow the owner of the nativity scene to know immediately 
if their little messiah has gone missing. A spokesman for the company said that most people don't know how costly manger robbing really is. Listen, you get a lot of those industrial-grade nativity scenes, and the baby Jesus alone will run you $700 easy. You see, times are hard, and people just can't order up another savior like they're getting a taco. The emotional cost is also high, he said, saying that as many as 2,000 new prescriptions for antidepressants annually are linked directly to nativity theft. When asked for further comment, he suggested this is, of course, a silent epidemic. G's PS is being made available free of charge to anyone wishing to sign up and comes with a smartphone app that will allow real-time tracking and, quote-unquote, Christ-child check-ins by sending the owner a text and an email status alert. Now, if only someone could come up with similar protection for all those asses in live nativity scenes. In international news, amidst rising tensions in the Far East, it has come to light that the elf on the shelf is actually a North Korean plot to infiltrate American homes and make American children more accepting of a life in a surveillance state. According to documents accidentally leaked by the totalitarian regime during the Sony Pictures hack, the elf on the shelf grew out of a Korean prototype named Kim on the Rim. But figuring things were probably already terrifying enough for its own youngsters, the government decided to turn their attention to the children of the free world in advance of eventual Korean domination. A secret contract with a Western toy maker was drawn up and the dolls were put into production. In the wake of this disturbing news, the FBI has been busily confiscating thousands of Elf on the Shelf dolls and checking them twice. Although there is currently no evidence that any of the dolls actually contain audio or video surveillance devices, if you suspect your elf is naughty and not nice, then follow the FBI's advice. If you think your doll is making weird sounds, the fastest way to tell is to remove its head, maybe with some pliers. But use common sense, they offer. Severing a doll's head in front of your children could potentially lead to psychological problems later in life. And of course, authorities do suggest taking your doll in a separate room. For all of those concerned, the mench on the bench dolls are, at this point, still considered to be 100% kosher. Moving to news in The Verge, wilted, faded, and listless. Are poinsettias the most loved plant, the most hated, or merely the most misunderstood? Now we have some answers. The world's first poinsettia crisis line has had phones at the ready this holiday season, and so far the response has been overwhelming. Staffed by gardeners, trained by counselors, 1-800-POT-HUGS has to date handled nearly half a million calls from poinsettias in over 17 different nations. There was the plant who, savaged by a cat and half-roasted by a radiator, was going to end it all by scooting off a ledge. But now she's feeling much better about life and has started up a friendship with the elf on the shelf. In other success stories, an adolescent plant devastated by runaway leaf scab was brought back from the brink of despair, and an entire bank of despondent and thirsty poinsettias at the Holiday Inn was saved from mass suicide. According to 1-800-POT-HUGS, what would your poinsettia most like you to know? They want you to know that they aren't actually poisonous and that they didn't kill Fido seven years ago. Let's be honest, he probably got into the chocolate. So show your poinsettias some love this holiday season. Water them tenderly, but moderately, and take them out of those foil-wrapped pots. It makes them feel fat. And that's been it for Holiday News in My Orbit. Buddha. Today's episode of the Buddhaverse is brought to you by Slays. Slays. I haven't seen anything plow through something so white since the protesters in Ferguson. Buddha. Welcome back. And now for a segment we like to call The Last Lung with Judy, a special holiday edition. Judy Scheinbaum, you're on the Buddhaverse. 
Oh, Emery, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for having me on, even though I don't celebrate your Christmas holiday. I'm happy to be on and talk with you about Christmas questions, so let's get started. Our first question is from Mo in Branson, Missouri. Mo asks, Is there something practical I can do with all this used wrapping paper? I'm one of those communists who doesn't recycle. Oh, Mo, I can't believe you're a communist. I was a communist once. Don't tell the government it was a long time ago. But I will say, the sharing was delightful. I had my pick of every moo-moo in Long Island, and I loved it. But as for your communistic ways, what you can do with wrapping paper is what I like to do. If you have a cat, you could use it as kitty litter. You can also help to pick up dog turds out and about in the neighborhood. Do some service with all that wrapping paper. The duty won't even go through it, so it's perfect for that. I remember one time when my daughter Eliza had a little shih tzu. Ah, I hated that dog. And what you can do with a wrapping paper and a shih tzu would blow your mind. So, sweetheart, use it for your pets. That's my solution. Next. Our next question is from Anna in Florence, South Carolina. Anna asks, I've had a party every year for the last day of Hanukkah, and it always goes crazy. Do you think that G space D would disapprove of strip dreidel? I'm too embarrassed to ask my rabbi. Sweetheart, the Lord himself would be fine with a little strip dreidel. I remember one time in the 70s, things got a little hot under the moo-moo, if you know what I mean. Mm. Next. Eric in Fremont, Washington asks, I want to skip the usual Christmas feast and have tacos this year. My family stopped speaking to me. Words of wisdom. Sweetheart, if your families aren't going to talk to you over tacos, when will they talk to you? I think you're better without them. I love you, but seriously, eat your Mexican food in peace. By yourself. I once had a Mexican friend. His name was Pedro, and we would always eat empanadas together. It's a blasting relationship. I'm still happy to say that I have. So find yourself a Mexican friend and eat your empanadas in peace. Mwah. Ooh, our next question is from Bree in Piscataway, New Jersey. She says, my tree always looks trashy because I feel like I have to put up the crappy ornaments my kids make every year. Do I have to wait until they go to college to be sophisticated again? Listen, sweetheart, I was mother of the year in 1987, and let me tell you what I did with Eliza. When she would bring a project home from school, I would take a picture. I would put that picture right there on the refrigerator, and then I would throw that crap away. I mean, seriously, Eliza's no Rembrandt, and I'm sure your brats aren't either. So what you need to do is just take a little snapshot and throw those ornaments away. That will make them feel loved and validated, and you don't have to use their crap on your tree. Because listen, I'm a sophisticated lady. I think all my moo-moos say so. Next. Ooh, looking down, here's a question from Cloris in La Crosse, Wisconsin. She says, This year I want to spice up things with my husband by dyeing my gray hair fire engine red for Christmas night. My friends tell me this is a bad idea. One of them tried to spice it up once and her husband died of a heart attack. I'm 85 and bored. What do you think? Well, sweetheart, if there's going to be a fire, I say go down to your local fire station and see whose pole you can go up. Mm. Next. Oh, our last question we're already there is from Jerry in Silver City, Nevada. She says, Is it in poor taste to re-gift a cop somebody caught for me? It's not a bad fish. I'm just not a Christmas cop kind of a person. Well, sweetheart, who is? That's been it for The Last Lung with Judy. I love you all. Mwah. That's been it for The Last Lung with Judy. We'll be right back right after this. Buddha. Today's episode of The Buddhaverse is brought to you by The Elf on the Shelf. The Elf on the Shelf, because another tall, spindly white guy was exactly what your holiday party needed. Buddha. 
Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This is, of course, our special Christmas episode, and I am here with Father Brian Cole, a man for the Messiah, a defender of deity, an almsman for the Almighty. Father Brian, it's good to have you on the show. Great to be on the show with you. Mm. Christmas time is upon us. How do you feel about that? It's a really big deal uh, in the life of the church, um, kind of our reason for the whole season, mm. and um, it's always great, and uh, Good Shepherd great time and just yeah it's a it's my favorite time of the year that is lovely let's talk about vestments for a second if people don't know cl- uh, clergy get to wear lovely lovely vestments for the season uh, do you have anything sort of as an homage to saint nicholas a good shepherd uh there are some things we never wear in the back uh that have definitely a sort of ho 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 theme to them mm. uh but they have never yeah, never gotten beyond the sacristy closet. Ooh, um, the sacristy closet. It sounds very secretive. Yeah, some just really interesting things with red that just didn't quite work. I think maybe they were m- made in the 70s. There were Ooh. some interesting choices in the 1970s um, investments. I've seen a denim chasuble that was quite unfortunate. Not at Good Shepherd, um, but um, yeah, some people made some odd choices. Mm, denim, certainly God's cloth. Yeah, and you know, it wouldn't breathe well. I mean, I think that might be sort of the last mass that someone would do and sort of pass out as they were, mm-hmm. you know, blessing the congregation. So. Mm-hmm. Sort of a sort of a f- almost a funeral mass, if you will. There uh, you go. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So now, typically at, at Good Shepherd, what you'll see is a lot of white uh, tomorrow and and bright and gold and. But yeah, I've seen a couple of. There's a couple unfortunate um, vestments that no one will ever see. Mm, that is a shame. Have you thought about modeling those or getting some other clergy to perhaps uh, put on a, a clerical uh, sort of a fashion show? You know, I haven't. And, you know, again, maybe is you know, Andrew's not ordained to the priesthood yet. Maybe we could do sort of a last little hazing of him. Mm, Andrew um, is one of your sort of underlings. Is that, yeah, is he's, that right? a, he's our new assistant, great guy, and he'll be ordained to the priesthood in January. And so we have a few weeks left to sort of give him additional duties and maybe sort of a bad vestment night uh, might be one of his last tasks. Excellent. Is there sort of a, a hazing that happens as one enters the priesthood? Because do you guys get a card of some sort or? There's not really a hazing. I mean, obviously there's the, in, in the whole vows uh, as a deacon, your things you promise to do is sort of as duties are given to you, which is always a nice little coverall for, you know, who knows what you might be asked to do. So basically they're like Santa's reindeer, basically. Helpers, little helpers, yeah. yeah. Or more like the elves, perhaps. More like the elves, than, yeah, because they actually can't fly. Mm. Yeah. Could Jesus make the reindeer fly? Wow, that's one of the great questions. Um, I guess if he really wanted to, but um, I just don't see, yeah, he didn't do a whole lot with flight. And personally, he did with flight, but... He didn't make other things fly. Right. He sort of yeah. like, he liked the walking, sort of on water. He was more into walking. Yeah. yeah. He was mm-hmm. more more pedestrian and, mm-hmm. yeah, sort of, he ascended himself, but he'd never caused right. animals to ascend. Hmm. I, I, you know, that would be nice, sort of being able to ascend oneself. You know, I think we all may have that sort of favorite secret power, superpower you'd like to have. I, you know, I've heard it said cl- a cloaking device, sort of being invisible would be mm. a nice one, but... As a kid, I loved Spider-Man. Oh. And this was the 70s, so before it was cool to like Spider-Man. And um, I liked all of his sort of spotty senses. So the tingle, as the it were. The tingle and going up the wall. That right. was nice. Do you ever find that you are going up the walls in your parish, sir? 
not a good shepherd. People take good care of me, and so there's never a reason to go up the wall. Mm. A good shepherd. I, so I good. stay on the ground, stay grounded. Have you thought about putting a, a web sort of mechanism in your vestments, perhaps to, uh, you know, sort of knock uh, parishioners uh, into awakeness if perhaps they fall asleep? Well, it's funny. Uh, when I often kids at the parish with their playing around, one of my f- sort of goofy priest things to do that they just love is I'll do the pretend little slinging, mm-hmm. you know, and the kids love that. They and, do love um, that, don't they? They think, oh, my gosh, is something about to come out of your wrist? And uh, so... Um, yeah, but I've never thought about it as like a. I, I guess you're saying to like kind of wake them up in case they're. I'm just saying during a to sermon connect or? you to them. Oh, okay. And perhaps to wake them up if perhaps they fall asleep, which I'm not saying that they do because I'm sure your sermons are so delightful. So more like an emotional web. Yes. You shoot Ooh, the emotional web. Yes, across. and just connect them to your oh. parish. Wow. I'm going to work on that. Please do. Maybe get a grant for sabbatical. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure your diocese would be oh, yeah. lovely too. Theological spiderwebs. I'm sensing, I'm sensing a book, oh, sir. Oh, you're sensing something. Indeed, perhaps there a tingle go. in my mind. Mm-hmm. Perhaps a booter sense, if you will. Okay. okay. Now, back to the story of Christmas. Let's talk about Gabriel for a second. Is there something that Scripture's not telling us about our dear angel? I mean, he likes bright things, he's blowing trumpets and whatnot. Is there something more to Mr. Gabriel than meets the eye? I think Gabriel's definitely sort of a spunky angel. Mm. You know, was wanting, wanting to please. You know, was always willing to take news and herald things. Um, I mean, is he an overachiever? Maybe the brown noser of the uh, I angels? I think Gabriel was often raising his hand to go first, yeah. Mm. I, mean, I think he, there might have been some resentment of the other archangels. Well, and I mean, if we believe Holy Writ about Satan falling and whatnot, I mean, I, I, would you want to sort of contend with that? That would be tough. Yeah. It would be really tough. But, um, you know, I think Gabriel... Again, is just he's a really eager angel and had great news. and You know, but maybe he, there's something wrong with him because he's always telling people to not be afraid. You know, maybe it's one of those things where the person who volunteers is maybe not the best person to be volunteering, and yet the Almighty sends him anyway. But, you know, I think one thing I, a couple of years ago I realized, so much of the New Testament is almost sort of a magical realism mm. that if if you, you know, obviously so much of what we think about angels is connected to art, but... If a giant blonde guy with wings and lots of vestments walked into your house, he might need to start with do not be afraid. I'm just saying if a tall, blonde-haired, Nordic-looking person with wings popped in, I wouldn't be all that scared. Okay. But again... Location, location, location. Indeed. You know what I mean? We'd like to think of the Buddhaverse as being an open place, mm-hmm. you know, for all, all seraphim, cherubim, whatever. Sure. Welcome. Yes. Yeah. Every season. But not the bad one, not the one that turned away. We we don't want him here. No. He who shall not be named. Sort Restra- of, uh, kind of a theological uh, restraining order. Indeed, sort of the Voldemort of the angelic ranks. Got it. Yeah, we do not need that. And I'm no Harry Potter, sir. Yeah, well, and again, I think I think do not be afraid is like a, just a nice sort of disclaimer. Because, you, again, you're about to say significant things of theological import. So you might want to start with, this could blow your mind. Ooh, <clears throat> bam. Why didn't he do that? Uh, verily, I say, this could blow your mind. That would be an entrance, sir. Again, the gospel writers, you know, made choices. Why don't people do things more verily? It's funny. Verily, really, um, I think it's, I think it's time for verily to make a comeback. This 2015 could be the year for verily. Mm-hmm. Should we start just dropping verily in, in commonplace sentences? I'm going to start next week. I'm, I'm committed to verily. I love that. Here on the Buddhaverse, you've heard it. Brian Cole, 
is wedding himself to Verily. In 2015. In 2015. Mm-hmm. It shall be the watchword, as it Verily. were. Verily, mm-hmm. yeah. No more truthiness. It'll be Verily. Indeed. Let's start a word. Yes. Verily. Mm. Of course, I didn't make it Maybe up. Maybe Verily will go viral. Verily might, in fact, go viral. I think my phone is blowing up. Oh, no. Because it's already going viral. Oh. Has it gotten out? Yes, it's already gotten out. <sighs> See, this is what happens on the Buddhaverse. We plug something, we say something, and bam, it's out there for the masses. Verily. Verily, I say unto thee. And by thee, I mean you. And by you, I mean the ten people that listen. Right. Thank you so much, you're beautiful people. I want you to know that. So, Mary on a donkey. Mm-hmm. She's preggers. You know, it's not a Dodge Caravan. It's probably a caravan of some sort, but not a Dodge Caravan. That must have been rough for, for the Virgin. I think... There's been some gospel texts that have suggested that Mary and Joseph did not finish all the premarital counseling sessions. Oh, interesting. So there may be some little resentments and, mm. you know, I thought you'd planned ahead and, yeah. Mm, so. But you're not in any way suggesting that Joseph had a little bit more to do with Jesus than, you know. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that, again, saying let's, you know, get on a donkey this late in the pregnancy is probably not smart. Right. Do you think Joseph was a bit of a procrastinator? Joseph, you know, was a hard worker. Sure. Carpenter. Right. Uh, worked with wood, mm. maybe stone. Um, not a procrastinator, but I think just, you know, not a big planner. You right. Know, just sort of worked on projects. You know, it's like the carpenter, you know, the carpenter's projects are great, but his own house is falling apart. You know, so I think maybe that's him sort of thing with not a good planner. Is Joseph the first stepfather in recorded history? Wow. Quite profound. Um Sure, I'll give you that one. All right. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. No, I, w- I want you to have that. Thank verily, you. verily, I give that to you. Oh. Mm, verily, I accept it. Mm. I just always felt bad for Joseph. You know, he's there, you know, hey, we're engaged, ah, cute little Mary. And then all of a sudden, bam. And then Gabriel, I believe, or one of the angels, comes and says, by the way, a verily, uh, well, don't be afraid. And then verily, I say, again, you're going to have a kid. But it's not your kid. But nobody's going to really... I mean, do you think the people of the day were like, oh, sure, Joseph, wink, wink, nudge, nudge? (laughs) I think, you know, to me, Joseph is such a wonderful character of sort of someone willing to do the right thing regardless. If you think about just like a a piece of literature, um, a couple years ago when the film No Country for Old Men came out, which is typically not a Christmas movie, um, but I remember watching that film and immediately thinking about Joseph. And if you think about Joseph being an old man in a time where he could have had violent things done to Mary or sent her away in some kind of shame, uh, you think about him sort of breaking the mold and kind of creating a new world for which this young woman can live. So when I, th- when I saw that film, I went and watched it again and actually wrote a sermon about Joseph where I turned him into a cowboy. Um, but obviously from the pulpit, you can't say, this sermon is about incredibly violent film called No Country for Old Men, you know? And right. so it was sort of referenced without being referenced. Indeed, so, yes, sort of. Yeah. You have to sort of gloss over certain things for certain parishioners, I would well, imagine. Well, mistakes were made, you know. Indeed. Well, you try to be relevant. That's right. And uh, But I found it to be a really profound film, and and I was watching it in early December, and it made me think about Joseph. Mm. And that he was he was a man straddling a couple of different generations there. Do you think Joseph would have been in a better position if he would have been riding on a reindeer, perhaps, that could have flown? 
This is why the Gospels, we have four of them. Right. And so maybe if we conflated all of them, yeah. I mean, I could see Joseph, the carpenter who wanted to be a dentist on a reindeer with a, yeah, I could bring those all together. I love that. Sure. Mm, it's kind of like a mashable story. A mashable story. A yes. mashable Christmas. Indeed. Barely. <gasps> mm. I feel like good old St. Nick comes a lot later than, you know, good old Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Yeah. Typically take those stories, that, yeah, there's a few centuries b- before St. Nick comes on the scene. Is there a way, again, to sort of mash that together? I mean, could could we put, like, St. Nick as one of the wise men? Yeah, I have seen some where St. Nick is flying over the manger, uh, which is a little, a little, yeah, um, it's a little out there. Because, you know, you'll have, like, the wise men and the shepherds and the baby and St. Nick. A little crowded. A little crowded and, yeah, kind of a conflating of, of history and sort of collapsing into time, so. Mm-hmm. Well, having read some biblical historians, I'm sure you have seen some of them do that. Maybe not sure. in that way, but. Well, you know, I mean, I think the classic example of that is um what pope was it that conflated all the mary stories is it one of the gregories or one of the piouses or maybe it was gregory the pious is there such a person well there is now see i did the same thing bam verily father brian has sent unto us there is a pope named gregory the pious speaking of sir there is a picture of you that someone has commented on suggesting that you looked as though papal well, and so I was thinking, is that a compliment because of like some uh, serene or is it more like a, hey, it's another bald guy? Yeah, I, was, I wasn't quite sure how to, how to take that. Well, I think we all know that our, our holiness or his holiness, excuse me, has a full head of hair, um, Latin blooded though he may be. I feel as though you do, however, have a countenance that would uh, sort of mash uh, quite nicely with Pope Francis. Wow. Compliment. I'll take that. Do you have a favorite translation of Holy Writ? That's a great question. I tell you, one of my favorites is, um, as far as just just to to read it, is the New English Bible. Um, enjoy that one. And is that then, because you're sort of an Episcopalian, so therefore oh, Anglican roots? Franchise, mm, franchise. Hadn't yeah. thought about that. Um, that might be part of it, but uh, love the New English, yeah. as opposed to Old English. That's good. Old English. My father was an English teacher. No. And um, as a kid, I remember he could, could he could quote from the Canterbury Tales in Old English. Or was that Middle English? I think it's still Middle English, but yeah. early Middle English. Yeah, my father could quote from that. So Lovely. That's the only Old English I knew. Do you quote sort of anything from perhaps Middle Earth in your sermons? You know... Middle Earth is totally lost to me. I'm not, that's the Tolkien, right? Indeed it is. It's funny. You know how you either like Beatles or the Rolling Stones, you know, you like C.S. Lewis or Tolkien. I'm a C.S. Lewis guy. Mm. And Tolkien has never, I mean, I'll, I'll admit for the first time ever on the Buddhaverse, um, never read The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, haven't seen it. What about the movie? You know, not even seen not the Not even movies. the movie. I mean, I've seen the trailer. We've all seen the trailer. but Sure. Um, it just... Doesn't do it for me. And I know people love it. People read it every year. You're you're now moving away from me, but um, yeah, I, I just. But we're always so close, connected by the Buddha verse. Yeah, but anyway, I've so I've, Middle Earth is for me. Maybe for 2015, I'll I'll take you a, could tr- take a trip it? to the Middle Earth. Yes, you could, and and sort of bring your parishioners into that lovely world. 
Look, it's a hobbit. It's a hobbit. Yeah. Also there in the manger scene. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we could get the, you know, the seven dwarfs. Mm-hmm. We could get some hobbits. We could get all of them, you know, in that. Let's. It's crowded already. You know, it's like a club on New Year's. Like a Sergeant Pepper's album cover. Absolutely, sort of Lonely yeah. Hearts Club. You know, we're there. There we there. go. There we go. We're, we're, we're just putting things together. W.C. Fields, Marilyn Monroe. I love it. Do you think that St. Nick, you know, might feel bad because Jesus, you know, gets the limelight, divine kid and all? I think St. Nick just really likes being on the team. He's really a team player. You know, um, if you've watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, um, I think St. Nick knows that if if Rudolph does well, they all do well. Have you read the Dancer Manifesto where Dancer, um, as well as Prancer, talk about how Rudy might have gotten his red nose uh, by imbibing a little bit more than he should have on Christmas Eve? Is this on the internet? I don't want to say where I got this information, but just know it's out there. The Dancer Manifesto. Mm. I'll look for that. Please do. Yeah, lots of underground bookstores. and Yes. Yeah. Sort of in a hobbit hole. Hobbit hole. But you would know nothing of hobbit holes. Again, this is all new news to me. I'm glad to break it to you, sir. Well, I mean, again, when, I, when you said Middle Earth, I at least knew what I did not know about. Indeed. Well, that's kind of like um, Rumsfeld. Isn't that he? There are knowns. There are unknown knowns. Mm-hmm. There are unknown unknowns. Yeah. Do you feel, sir, that you operate in one of those categories more than another? The older I get, the more I operate in would it be an unknown known? The unknown known is there are things I know I don't know. I would suggest. I think I think the older I get, the more I'm in unknown known land. Mm. In the sense of that's really a good place to be. Sure. I think we I think we start at least I started young adulthood with knowing everything as as we all and the only difference um, is I have continued in that <laughs> in that uh, with sort a of growing space. sense of certainty indeed that things are exactly how I thought they were and would be mm-hmm. yeah and I think increasingly I'm I'm I live in much more unknown known though I, what I realize about that that's frustrating is people do want to know and so at some point you just give in and say okay it's seven. Why do people like blacks and whites so much instead of grays? Well, I think it's 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 it resolves. It's easier. And, um, you know, I think, again, as I've gotten older, I found that I enjoy jazz music. And it's been said by several people. I think Donald Miller, the popular evangelical author, talked about, you know, jazz doesn't resolve and that kind of. For some people, is is an awful thing. For some people, it's a wonderful thing because it just kind of keeps going. Sure. Un- think, unlike Donald Miller's career, which is still still hanging on. What happened to that? Don't even know. But he's out there still. He's got a blog or something. Okay. Do not be saddened for Mr. Donald Miller. He is still out there. Verily. Verily, we say, Donald, come on the show. Yeah. Wow. There's a place for you. There's an empty seat right there. Indeed there is. Because the studio, this place... Elijah, Donald mm-hmm. Miller, they could all be on the show. Do you... Leave a special place for Elijah just in case? Um, in the office, no. But um, not really. I don't, think, I don't think about it that much. Why are Elijah and Elisha so close together in their nomenclature? You know, as a kid, I found that really confusing. Sure. And, um, you know, I had the children's Bible. And, yeah, I often had difficulty with keeping those two guys straight. 
which is the one with the chariot of fire and which is the other one with still with fire? Is this like a trivial pursuit question? I don't know. I think I think Elijah goes up. He got he got in the flaming. Hello, I'm in a flaming chariot. <laughs> and, and Elisha, you know, had the parting gifts. Right. He got to got to stay on the show. Oh man, so cool. Back to the Christmas story because that is why you're here. Sir, what is the meaning of Christmas? Word was made flesh. God came and took on our human condition. Kind of like a leather-bound book. Ooh. No. Oh, okay. No. Um, no, just that God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, uh, God so desired to be in our world, but in a way that was surprising, uh, a place of weakness that was made strong, and um, the incarnation. And as an Episcopal priest, I mean, that's our big deal. You know, we talk about the incarnation a lot in Anglicanism. And so, again, this is, as, as the, the U.S. Postal Service said recently on a commercial, this is our season. Mm. Incarnation. Indeed. So you're saying that God likes surprises. Do you think that's why he chooses Gabriel all the time? I think Gabriel maybe again shows up and and maybe that's it. Maybe Gabriel shows up. Maybe he's sort of the angel for showing up. And there's something there's something to be said for showing up. Indeed there is, and you have showed up on the show. How do you feel about Jesus art? I think people often have good intent when they do Jesus art. Unfortunately, a lot of it ends up being pretty much kitsch. And um, and what I now discovered is I think it's just important to make good art. If you make good art, there's lots of places for faith or good theology, good theological reflection to take place. I think if you think, let's make a picture of Jesus with a puppy, you're probably going to make not exactly great art. Were there um, not dogs in Judea or Samaria or Jerusalem back in the day? You know, I'm not good on my dog history. Okay. I've only recently gotten really connected to a dog. I, I have am, a dog now, but... I have heard that all dogs go to heaven. Is that true? Well, I think last week the Pope um, sort of said they're all in. And, um, and it's, yeah, I, I would say anything that we love is with us in eternity, which is maybe a, a nice sort of way of avoiding that larger conundrum, but... So will heaven have <clears throat> jello pudding pops? Because I'm a big fan. You know, for me, one thing heaven won't have to have is a sound system. Because you've obviously been frustrated with sound. In a parish, you're often frustrated with, you know, the mics are popping or whatever. Mm. So there won't be a sound system in heaven. Um, I think it'd be fine for, the be for there to be jello pudding pops. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, didn't, I don't know how that all works. Yeah, I'm not really clear about, well, I guess there'll be food in heaven. Yeah, I mean, we're at a, they say right a table of some sort, a big There's long a table, table. kind of like a buffet cruise what, line. How would you feel though if you were like in the back, like if you had to sit next to you know, let's say Henry Kissinger, Hank Kissinger gets into heaven, and you have to sit by him? I wonder how people how I would feel about that. What's funny, you know, I would think surely in heaven, everyone's heaven would involve like you're at a really great table. Because I think we've all been to those weddings where you're like next to cousin number four. Right. You'd never want to be you, at that single table. And you realize, no. okay, this cousin, and that, cause that cousin at some point admits, you know, I actually haven't seen Joey in 12 years, and but the rehab's going well. And you're just like, ah, yeah, I'm, I'm at that table. And um, so, yeah, I think, I think heaven would involve being like at the table. Mm. You know, you're there with our Lord, you know, your favorite beetle. 
Right. Do you have a favorite Beatle? It's funny. Um, as a kid, I would have told you my favorite Beatle was John Lennon. But the older I get, my favorite Beatle is now... I'm going to guess George. There you go. George Harrison. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Verily you have said unto me. Verily, verily. Well, yeah. Verily, verily. Do you think if George would have used the word verily more, he would have, you know, lasted a little longer? Ooh. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say what words can I do. I think he also smoked quite a bit. Was well, it, wasn't it lung cancer? I don't remember, but you have to find inner peace in whatever way you can. Well, I think George definitely was seeking that throughout his whole life. Those ashrams were delightful, mm-hmm. actually. And some good albums. Sure. Oh, absolutely. The sitar, one of my favorite instruments. He was, yeah. He introduced that to the West. <sighs> Truly a musical paragon. Hmm. We've deviated a little bit. We've taken a little bit of a sleigh you ride. Think? We've we've taken Favorite a little Beatle bit of a sleigh heaven? ride. Well, here's the, all about Christmas, right? Indeed, it is. But you know what? Isn't it all mashable? Isn't Christmas just another way to say this is the story? That's right. I mean, I whether agree. it involves trolls or hobbits or Mary and you know, sort of a full womb. Yeah, I think I think you could say Christmas is the story, and you can hang many things. Christmas tree, Christmas balls. Stockings. Stockings. Do you have um, a stocking, sir? Hanging up at the house. I don't think I do. Susan's in charge of all the Christmas accoutrement, and I don't think there's a stocking. No, there is. I have an Elvis stocking that plays uh, Blue Christmas. I love that. Mm-hmm. We've, we've gone round the bend in our sleigh, sleigh ride, jingle bells and all. Whenever we're on the show, we like to give our guests the opportunity to share whatever they would like with the listening audience. A sort of a carte blanche, if you will, to say your piece, even though I suppose you get to say your piece every week. So besides the white painter's pants? But you... I could say more than that. You could say whatever you wish. Hmm. Have we adequately addressed the, the season? So, so this will go out to the Buddhaverse? It will go out to the masses, all 12 of them. I guess the only thing else I would say is what a great pleasure it has been to be in the Buddha verse. I've heard about this verse of the Buddha for a long time, and it's good to actually know it exists, and it's vibrant and vital and flourishing with little Santa creatures, and Merry Christmas, everyone. Indeed. You know, the Buddha verse started with one word. You know what that word is, sir? Verily. <laughs> That's been it for another episode of the Booter Verse. We'll be right back right after this. Buddha. Here at the Booter Verse, we'd like to send a special thanks to Reverend Brian Cole for being on the show. And of course, we'd like to thank Courtney and Sonny for all the work they do in getting the show off the ground. And of course, to Quadrants for composing our theme song. If you haven't had enough of me here, we're everywhere on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, you can find me on Pinterest because, you know, Men should be on Pinterest? And not only are we on social media, but the song you heard at the top of the show was a special rendition of Carol of the Bells we like to call Carol of the Booters. It's available on our website, so please go to www.thebooter.com and you can find it there. Please consider downloading the song. It's only 99 cents. Interstellar travel is a bit difficult, but the Booterverse is always a click away. (laughs) 